you're about to listen to Brittle Star's really great podcast. The really great podcast is fueled by our well-caffeinated friends at Club Coffee. It's a it's kind of a misnomer because there's no actual club to join. They just they make like they they make coffee. There's no club, so don't don't get your hopes up. They make delicious compostable coffee pods that you can find at retailers across Canada, like Loblaws, Amazon, and Costco. And they're Canadian too, eh? If you're not into coffee, sorry. All right, cool. So here we go. Who are you and what do you do? My name is Mark Critch, and I make things up and perform them for a living. That's a good, that's a solid answer. That's a really good answer. I ask that question to people and they, uh, it, it, sometimes it becomes a bit too introspective. Sometimes it feels like they're justifying themselves to you, but you're very confident about it. Well, I've, cause I've thought about this because I've always was asked all my life, what do you do for a living? And I used to get uh-huh. nervous at parties. Like, you know, when you're starting out and you, and you, nobody know, knows what you, and back then there was no internet. You couldn't do, so you couldn't yeah. give, show some an example. You used to be like, oh, I'm a comedian. Well, I haven't seen you in anything, but I, I, I you know, and it's like, I, I guess you wouldn't have. And it's like, you know, what have you done? I just sketch comedy in theaters. It's like, oh my God, but what do you do for a living? So it would always go within two questions after I told them, it would always be, someone telling me you had to stop doing that because you'll never be able to have children (laughs) right away. And so I was always, for a while, when I was really young, I used to tell people that my family uh, made moist towelettes. Now, why? I don't know. Why why that? Because people would ask, be really, how so? And I'm like, well, you know, the moist towelettes, like you get in like KFC or on the airplane uh, <laughs> when you would clean your hands. I said, well, uh, my, my family always made those. So I'm, I'm kind of involved in that, but I'm looking to branch out. Like, That's interesting. <laughs> and then they'd ask you a question about like, so like what? So all KFCs? It's like, no, 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 just Canadian KFCs. And then they'd go away. <laughs> But you'd have a wonderful yeah. moment with them, and they go, oh, wow, that was interesting. And you see somebody like, that's a moist toilet guy. And then I wouldn't have to tell them that I am I was essentially in their eyes a failure. Um, so, yeah, it was a weird thing. I did it for about eight, two years, and then somebody asked me, started asking me really detailed questions about it to the point where they could uh, – it wasn't yeah. just a passing thing. Yeah, of thing. course. And then I was just a liar yeah. with a problem. And, uh, and then I was like, oh, exactly. actually, I'm a comedian. They're like, well, that wasn't very funny. I'm like, oh, boy. So I've been Damn honest it. ever since. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, people will, will ask, like, why did I get into doing what I'm doing and all that kind of stuff? And the best part is like, exactly the same thing for me growing up. You'd be like, well, what do you do? Especially when you get like that teenage years and you get close to university and college age and be like, well, what do you do? What do you do? And it's like, ah, oh, damn it. At the time, I was really involved in music, and I'd be, it just uh, turns into a conversation. And the exact same thing where you get that look where you're, people are like, oh, I don't think you're going to make a living at that. And you immediately start devaluing what you're doing. You're like, oh, no, you're right. maybe they're right. It's maybe. terrible. <laughs> and you know what? I think what people are doing sometimes is trying to uh, pass some of their fear along with you, like along yeah. to you. Because like in Newfoundland and Labrador, we always talk about the lobster in the pot. How when they're boiling, if one lobster starts to get out, the other lobsters will pull that lobster back. And sometimes right. it's like yeah. that, you know, it's like, oh, you're doing something you enjoy. Oh, oh, no, please, please. No, no. I've been told you can't do that. <laughs> and and so there's a bit of that. And there's that doubt in you. I remember I ran into a teacher of mine who I greatly admired, who had been a literature teacher in high school. And he said, are you still doing the play stuff? And I said, yeah. And he said, don't you ever want a house 
with a white picket fence. <laughs> and I thought, well, not really. But, and I thought but afterwards, I went home and That's I was terrible. like, oh, Mr. Reardon says, like, I'll never have a house. And I'm like, what did I do, you know? Uh, but you just have to, but what I have learned is that doing something you love, uh, no matter how successful you are at it, I think it adds years to your life and it adds a quality and a piece oh, yeah. to your life that is, it's incredible. Well, for sure. Absolutely. I totally agree. I think the only issue I have with that is I remember Sting uh, saying one time, uh, accepting some award saying, music is its own reward. And I was like, go to hell, Sting. Go to hell. <laughs> yeah, Sting, you're doing okay, but like, <laughs> You're doing fine. Exactly. You've got many other rewards. Yeah, and everyone knows you as a tantric sex guy, which he made, he exactly. managed to put in. You know, it's like, by the way, I... I have sex for long, long periods of time. Like, we didn't need to know that, Sting. We were already impressed with you. Plus, are you timing it? Are you like, glancing over at the clock? Why are you, so, One why more are you hours. telling Johnny One Carson One more hour, Stingy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the interesting things about uh, I find about people from Newfoundland, which you are one, is that there's like this, you know— economic, uh, I don't know how to best explain this, but this idea that when you grow up there, you're like, well, I'm either going to, you know, settle into what's already established here or I'm going to leave. I've got to get out of here and go to somewhere else in Canada. And, and it's very interesting because it's, you know, often the people who are in other parts of Canada are like, especially in entertainment, are like, I got to get out of Canada. I got to go to the States and make big, big money. So is there, I also find it really interesting that there's, like to me, there's a, a quality to uh, Newfoundland humor, for lack of a better term, that is like super fun. Did you find when you were growing up, you're like, I got to get out of here? Or did you think, no, no, this is good. I, I fit in perfect. Um, for me growing up, there was a, the, the thing that I think birthed myself and Rick Mercer and Alan Doyle and a couple people was there was a show on CBC at the time called Wonderful Grand Band. And it had um, a lot of musicians like Ron Hines, who was a, a, a great uh, singer-songwriter from Newfoundland, and also comedians like Tommy Sexton and Greg Malone, who later went on to form Codco. So when I was in the first grade, on television, I saw people with my accent doing sketches and singing songs that they had written, mm -hmm. and they're performing. And I remember, I want to do that. I want to tell Newfoundland Labrador stories. I want to be me. I want to tell Canadian stories. So I always wanted to be, you know... Uh, Wayne and Schuster, I never, I never wanted to be Larry on Three's Company. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't want to go to the States and get on a sitcom. I wanted to write something and do it. I didn't want to have to <clears throat> not be able to say uh, Signal Hill from Newfoundland or say CN Tower right. to yeah. make it. So yeah. I, I kind of always wanted to stay. And um, even so, I still live in, I've never lived anywhere other than St. John's. I've gotten to travel yeah. a fair bit and work right now in Halifax, and I go back and forth. Um, but Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are a bit like that, you know, they'll go somewhere, but, um, they will leave and they might never yeah. come back, but they'll never stop planning on coming back. Like a Newfoundlander will right, move right. away and they'll be like, well, I'm, I've been here now. I, I'm going to go home. How long have you been here now, dad? <laughs> oh, 47 years. But you know, <laughs> and it's always this slow go back. It might never happen, but they always plan to, you know? Well, there's two things, right? One, first of all, it's very, it's quintessentially Canadian of you to uh, to suggest that you couldn't attain John Ritter status and, you know, Jack <laughs> Tripper. Well, you're like, no, yeah. no, I'll just take Larry. I'll take, I couldn't do Jack. That's right. That's Larry right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're, you're right. Yeah. That would be out of the question. So right away, I'm like, <laughs> Joe, the bartender at the Regal Beagle would be like, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's good enough for me. That's, that's my dream. just fine for me. Yeah. That's that's as high of a station I can rise to. <laughs> the other thing is, I mean, like, Canada has gone sort of interesting uh, transition, I think, recently in how, you know, we're uh, much more comfortable in our own skin, which is amazing. And I think it's it's about time. And one of the things that drives me nuts about, you know, being in entertainment and media in Canada is that, there was a, for a long time this like assumed underdog status of like, well, I don't know if we're just trying to sort of appease like, you know, the American market or some other people. And it's like, why why are we doing that? That's ridiculous. But it's all, it's almost like the like the Newfoundland culture was like way ahead of the curve. And they're like, yeah, we're why would we be embarrassed about being here? Like, of course, this is great. Um, do you notice it changing? I mean, like, obviously, with your show, Son of a Critch, which is fantastic, by the way, which is really, really good um, and uh, really enjoying it. But I mean, there's there's this like the setting and and the background is plays into the humor but it's incidental though yeah. it's it's not like that's why it's funny it's like well this is just incidental which is great do you notice the same sort of change happening i think so yeah very much i mean people now i think too i think people were always trying to in canadian media the mistake they always make is they're trying to trick people into thinking it's an american thing and, yeah. you know, it's always like, you know, well, this, <laughs> this sitcom could be anywhere. It's like, oh, it's so great waking up in city. I'm going to buy a coffee <laughs> brand and drink. It's like, guys, you can say Toronto. It's like, no, we better not. Don't show the CN Tower. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, well, first of all, you're not fooling anybody, you know. Secondly, yeah. but the things that have had great lasting success here, I think, is like you look at a corner gas or you'll look at yeah. whatever. It's the things that say, I'm here. This is us. This is our story because we want to hear and share our stories. That's what. Yeah, it's an incredible thing, and and it's, and it, and this, it's something to want to have. It's not something to be embarrassed of. Um, and I think in uh, I think specificity is very big now in TV and mm-hmm. film. Uh, people uh, want to be swept away to. I mean, we have so many choices now, right? So there was a time when yeah. you want to be like New York because the only sitcoms were set in New York for a while with your friends yeah. and your science. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But now it's like it can be anywhere. They can be Iceland. It can be Ireland. Yeah. Dairy Girls. It can be wherever. And so I think we have yeah. a great opportunity now where to be ourselves and to be and tell those stories. But people will relate to them. Like when uh, we're casting this show, uh, Malcolm McDowell got the scripts and he read the book and he said, I want to do it right away. Amazing. He'd never heard of Newfoundland. Right. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. But he, he got it. It's like, okay, this is like a fishy place or something. Cool. <laughs> but he's like, I, <laughs> the relationships I, I, I relate to and I relate to the comedy. So yeah. without having to wash away the fact that it was in Newfoundland. So I think that yeah. that's a, that's a great thing. We're it's an exciting time. And I think Canadian stories can be very Canadian and have a global audience now. Yeah, I think we're sort of coming into our own, which is fantastic and really exciting. Speaking, though, of the sort of geographic aspect, you and I have actually crossed paths before, kind of, kind of, like physically. Uh, And I'll tell you, it was back in 2016 on the lawn of the White House. You were there as well. I was there as well. Yeah, I'd been invited by the White House social media team to come down for Prime Minister Trudeau's arrival ceremony and got to hang out. I remember one of the first things I noticed, I was looking around the lawn. I was like, hey, there's Mark Critch up there in the press gallery. That's pretty cool. And I thought, huh, that's pretty great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, getting to, that's been one of the weird things. And to piggyback, I've been to the White House a couple of times now. Um, yeah, well, and thanks for bragging about that. That's fine. I've well, been once, but that's that, cool. Stop bragging if, if you're carrying Peter Mansbridge's <laughs> bag, you know, which is, is like, you, get on, <laughs> you get on these planes. And a couple of times we went down and just showed up, and I kind of got in there once yeah. by just showing up. We went in and were really? able to, yeah, we were there, 
and we were able to get we we're doing something with the ambassador and then yeah uh through cbc uh someone in the bureau there said okay we'll get you a press pass we'll let you go today yeah. but you can only be on the lawn and shoot something i was like okay cool yeah and then we kept going and uh we i know it was a turkey pardon and they were letting anybody oh. <laughs> and their monkey in for the turkey pardon and i was like okay great sure. but you yeah. can only be at the turkey pardon you're not allowed to talk and i'm like okay sure so i'm like i got a microphone stuffed in my pocket and and they were doing the thing right. and so we're doing all these bits in the in, in the on the on the in the rose garden and then we go inside and then they were using a holding area in the in the uh the the press briefing room for something so we just wander in. And the White House is like any other place. The security guards yeah. are tired. They're sick of the same old crap. They think, okay, this is a fine sure. thing. So if you look like you know where you're going and you have yeah. kind of the right pass for that area, it's like, whatever. And there's a press mm -hmm. area by the press briefing. So if you if you bar barge through and go like, yeah, I got a coffee. It's like, oh, he's getting a <laughs> coffee. He's a suit. He's got a camera guy. And he's like, let's just sit there and see how long it can happen. Let's see, see how we can, how we can wait. And then this guy came over. It was working at the White House. And he said, I know who you are. You're going to try and pull something. I said, I'm not going to try and pull anything. I know what you're talking about. He goes, I know who you are. I'm like, how the hell do you know who, who I am? He goes, come on. And he, he's like, he's going to take me out. He goes, my my mother's Canadian. And we have to visit her relatives. <laughs> and we go to this cottage. And the only thing you can get is CBC. So I've seen your stuff. <laughs> and I was like, are you? and I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, I can't believe I got them thwarted. He goes, and he, and he goes, yeah, but, you know, my mother likes you. So I'm not going to, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, ah, oh. okay. Do you know that, have you, do you know that underneath this press briefing is Kennedy's old pool? What? Yeah. Underneath the briefing room is where <gasps> President Kennedy had his pool and uh, Nixon hated Kennedy. So he covered it over. And, but the actual pool, if you go in there, the tiles are all still there in the basement underneath here and they use it oh for my God. computer servers. I'm like, okay, do you want to see that? <laughs> and I'm like, are you kicking me out? And he goes, well, my mother likes you. I'm like, okay, what's happening? And he goes, I'll, I'll show you that. Come on, but don't make a face like you were doing anything weird because I'll, I'll get in trouble. I'm like, oh, well, you're the worst at this. And anyway, so he, he takes me down there and there's these tiles and they're signed by everybody. And there's like uh, Sammy oh Davis God. Jr., Frank Sinatra, Muhammad oh, wow. Ali. And I said, what is this? He goes, yeah, it's pretty cool, right? He said, uh, all of these tiles, uh, when they had a big party, they'd bring them down, they'd show them Kennedy's pool underneath the press briefing room and They'd ask, uh, and if you were a big shot, you're allowed to sign a tile. And these tiles will always be here because it's a historic <laughs> site. And you're never allowed to yeah. take them down. So if you sign your oh, name here, dear. it's there forever. And I saw you. I goes, yeah. here. I said, what? And he gives me a <gasps> Sharpie. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, no. sign a tile. I said, what? I, I thought you were kicking me out. And he's like, I am. <laughs> but I want to be able to tell my mom that you sign a tile. I'm like, you're Canadian. He goes, no, I'm not. I'm American. I'm like, no, you're, you're, you're like Spock. Like, you know, there's a Vulcan side and the human side. This is your Canadian side. And so I sign it, like, you know, on the, as close to Sinatra yeah. as I could get. And I was like, oh, I just fantastic. pictured, and then he kicks me out. And then I'm picturing, like, this archaeologist years in the future. And it's like, there's one name, sir. We haven't been able to figure out who it was. It's like, but they're all celebrities. But this one doesn't make sense. You know, it's like the Rosetta Stone, and I much screwed it up.
<laughs> See, that's well, first of all, it's a fantastic story, and secondly, again, your Canadianness is coming up by suggesting that you won't just attain more and more celebrity uh, in the in the coming yeah, years. Yeah, no, I think I, mean, I think you could this be a, is it. You, you know, could be a god, and a, you think this is it? This is it. Someone, <laughs> so someone from out. the government will come by and say, "I'm sorry, sir, it's been revoked." There's a very promising <laughs> person in Saskatchewan who needs the slot. I'm like, oh, "Well, that makes perfect sense." And then I'll just you know sell turnips by the side of the road or something. Well, it's funny with the uh, you know with how you're talking about the shift of Canadian uh, media and television and shows and, and just entertainment in general, kind of being comfortable in its own skin. And then having lived for so long beside America, who is such a massive influence culturally, like pop culture. And uh, I remember the first time going down to Washington as well, and just being like so excited to be at the White House. When oh, I yeah. thought, well, the only reason I'm excited is really because I've seen it on so many shows and movies. Like, that's just it. And then I kind of thought, I thought to myself, why don't we just do this with other stuff? Like, well, can't we just like, it's like when uh, you go to see like the Breakfast Club uh, high school or something like that. And it's like a now a police station or something. I'd still be excited to go see it. Oh, I remember wow. back in 2000, you know, like 2013, no, 14, maybe 13. I can't remember. Uh, whenever the end of The Office, the American version mm-hmm. end, ended and they had a cast uh, end of you know, series cast party thingy, rap party thing. And they had like a public event in Scranton, Pennsylvania, where it was, of course, you know, situated. And uh, and we drove down and we were so excited to be in like, if you're familiar with The Office, like, oh, we're going to uh, Alfredo's uh, Pizza Cafe. That's where we're going to go have lunch. Of course, they'd never filmed there. They'd never done anything there. <laughs> Like it just, it just they mentioned it by name, and we're out in some strip mall in Scranton, Pennsylvania, going, "This is so cool!" Oh wow! But I mean, there's like that opportunity, right? I mean, I think you can sort of see that happening. It's one of the things when you see, like, with Son of a Crit, you're like, "Oh, this is cool! I think I'd like to go there. I think I'd like to." Yeah. Because like, you're creating excitement about things, which is really, really cool. I remember I was in uh, Cleveland to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because I'm a big music oh, yeah. nerd. Yeah. And that was great. And. uh it, it, it they also have the uh, the part of Christmas Story, which is a movie I love, which is you know a big inspiration, right. of course, for Son of a Critch. And uh, I they have the house there, and they shot mm. the exterior there, and then so much of it was was filmed in Canada. And sure. uh, somebody bought the house and restored it the way it looked, and inside, of course, the inside of a set never matches the exterior. You know, like the full right. house. Right house is there but if you went inside you would not see you know joey's alcove or whatever right but yeah they go in so the guy's kind of like you know yeah i bought and restored it and uh selling admission to go in there and you go in there and it's like a completely different layout but he has stuff that kind of looks like the stuff and he's like you know <laughs> he's like, oh this is the door that went the basement but it was in a different room it's, it's like wait a minute hang on what's going on and it's like oh that's the dad's chair and it's like it doesn't look like it though and it's like well it's just a general idea i'm like you you your sign says that it was filmed here. Well, it's filmed outside. And I'm like, oh, come on. But um, yeah, so it's just great. But uh, but being in those places, you know, and seeing these things, it's like, you know, I just never expected, especially growing up in a small place, you know, like St. John's and our family yes. didn't travel or anything, right? So whenever right. you get to see, I mean, go into Parliament, I still get chills. And once I got to yeah. stick my head yeah. out of the, uh, the top of the Peace Tower where the flag oh, is, you know? Cool. And and it's like Fantastic. I, I can't believe this, you know, that I'm here. So I'm a big yeah. fan of touching things and realizing, like, huh, that's real. That does exist because for so long, yeah, it just seemed like it didn't. Like the White House seemed like a no different than Superman's Fortress of Solitude. It's just something you couldn't see. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it shows you like the power, I think, of media and the power of entertainment because it creates like so much value in these things. And like, I don't know exactly why uh, I would be excited about being in the White House. It's like it's cool, and I am excited to be there. But it's like, well, I really, I'm not. I mean, I could I could go even to like Westminster or something in London and and be like, eh, this is cool. But it wouldn't have quite the same impact as you know yeah. <clears throat> that type but of thing. But on TV more, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but it's, uh, I wanted to ask you as well, and maybe you can just tell me to shut up and just watch the rest of the show because <laughs> it's basically just we're watching. We're just watching you. Um, but when you were like in, you know, apart from a young kid, were you like watching things like SCTV or SNL or what were you watching? What were you? What was like massive influences on you comedically? Oh, SCTV. Martin Short is like a god. Oh yeah, and Eugene Levy. You know those two. Yeah. And you're growing up, you had your three channels, you had your Wayne and Schuster, you're like, I, I, this is fine. Yeah. This is nice. This is their tuxedos. Yeah. I like that show business <laughs> element, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. And growing up, we had uh, Three's Company and Happy Days would always be on before the news. <laughs> like in reruns, yeah, you yeah. know? SNL, uh, Saturday Night Live, of course, you know, I'm kind of like of the Phil Hartman generation in a, in a big way. But growing yeah, up, yeah. I had a brother who was older, who was eight years older, right? So then he turned right. on to the cool stuff, you know, a bit of Monty Python, a bit of this. Yeah. But uh, really for me, it was it was SCTV um, and this wonderful grand band, which was, you know, Tommy Sexton and Greg Malone, these two great Newfoundland comedians who did sketch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and SNL and SCTV were 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 the two things that you would you would you would impre- uh, you would do an impression of it like the next day at school, you know, and come oh, in and for do sure. your, you know. But somebody like a, a Phil Hartman and you know Mike Myers and and all these wonderful, incredible entertainers just blew my mind. And that's everything I wanted to do was sketch comedy so much so that when I was fifteen years old, me and three other guys we rented out the Longshoremen's Protective Union Hall in St. John's. Wow. And did sketch okay. comedy um, at 11 o'clock at night because that was a slot we could get. And um, at <laughs> 15 right. years old, so you get a few, you know, a couple of sailors, some old artsy types, yeah. some, a weird group of people at cabaret tables selling beer. And we're 15-year-olds doing Fantastic. our best, you know, SNL <laughs> kind of-esque stuff. Um, but that was like, you know, I just had to do it. Sketch comedy was everything. Well, that's a good re- that's a good slot to have though, because by eleven o'clock, people are a few drinks into it. There are a few wobbly pops down. Yeah, but your parents can, don't know where you, know. you are. Like you had to lie about like you know you, <laughs> you rented a what? Yeah, I remember dad. And then so we're doing these shows. They found out about it because it was reviewed in in a in a local like paper. That you oh know, wow yeah because like they were like you know it was the second space show is what they called it and yeah. like and um, so dad's like oh well, what the hell is this all about and I'm like oh yeah we did a little sketch show yeah. Uh, 11 o'clock at night? I, what? Oh, don't worry about it. You can come down to the next one. And then Dad was walking around with his friend downtown doing some errands. And I came home from school, and I was about, you know, 16 now. And Dad had a poster in his yeah. hand, and we had booked our first bar gig, <gasps> which was at this cult bar called oh, Bar wow. None, which was like a, a punk bar. And they said we had to come right. down. And on a certain night, they let us do... 15 minutes or something in between bands. So I'm like, oh, this is an amazing opportunity. Oh, we're going to put off a show. Where's my top hat? You know? <laughs> and uh, dad's holding this poster and he goes, are you, uh, are you performing in a bar this weekend? I <laughs> want you say, just, just tell me the truth. I was like, yeah, yeah, we were, I, I, I think it's more of a tavern. It's a pub. And he's like, he's looking at, he goes, have you seen the poster for the event? And I said, no, no, no. And he shows it to me and says, and our name of our, our sketch comedy troupe was Cat Fud from a, a Gary Larson cartoon. Okay. 
And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it said, "Sparkling Spankorama Fetish Night." Get paddled at the door, <laughs> and only pay half the cover plus comedy from Catfoot. And he's like, "If you do this," and that was a, a news report. Like, if you do this, I'll I'll call uh, my his friend, this cop, and he goes, "I'll have the place shut down." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> Because are we good? I said, yep, absolutely. And then I just went to my room and thought, oh, no. And it's like, and also I was relieved. I didn't want to play it. I didn't know what a fetish night was. And and I was like, sure. A sparkling spankorama. Yeah, so I still have that poster. <laughs> I love it. You're like, I don't like being, I've never liked being spanked. Yeah, why I'm like, I want to why do would this? someone want to be spanked? Get in your room. Okay. But uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah, it's funny. You know, parents are funny with this type of thing. My parents have always been very, very supportive. But I remember doing uh, the first like local TV thing I did. My dad and I share the same name, and uh, so I'm the junior, uh, Stuart Reynolds. And uh, <laughs> it got broadcast, and it was like a music show, and it was pretty out there. And uh, there's a bunch of bands and playing and all that kind of stuff. And then there's a bunch of people complained afterwards. And at the end of it, they had the credits of like who was involved in the show and all that kind of stuff coming up. And it was very, very exciting. And my, my dad said to me the next day, always put junior or change your name. Ah! And I was like, okay, all right, all right, okay, I will. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Which is too funny. Um, well, listen, I uh, I want to ask you one more question. The question is this. Give me a really great tip. Uh, whenever I think of tips, I always think of my father. Mm -hmm. And dad uh, was, you know, in the public eye a lot when he, when he was a local radio news guy. Everybody knew him in town. And uh, he just, he, he'd, he'd give you advice when asked for it. But he is one of the only things he, he made a point to say to me was, hey, hey. I'm like, yeah, Dad. He goes, I want, I want to tell you something. I'm like, okay. He goes, always give people three chances because you never know what that Joe is going through. Someone might be a hell of a guy, giving you a hell of a hard time. His wife could have cancer. Mm -hmm. He might have lost his mm -hmm. job. But, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and give him three chances. And I said, well, what happens the fourth time? He goes, hey, he's probably a bit of a bastard. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but three? And he goes, yeah. And and I think my advice would be to err on the side of kindness because um, if yeah. I look back in my life, anytime I've done that, I've been right mm -hmm. and it's made your life better. Yeah. So give people a chance. I like that. I like the three chance rule as well. Yeah, three, I three I is enough. I think it's a nice. Yeah, that's a that's a quantitative amount that you can hang on to and be like, this is science almost. Yeah, you know and, I mean? and also Which if somebody's really being a jerk, you're kind of like on the second time, you're like, oh, one more. I can't wait till tomorrow. One more, one more. <laughs> when my dad won't hunt <laughs> you're me, trying to set the. I hate if I hate you. Yeah. And you're <laughs> exactly. You're crafting ways for them to fail just to, to really <laughs> just, test them. He's stuck at two. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute uh, joy chatting with you as well. And I'm glad that we finally were able to uh, chat uh, kind of in person. Yeah, Eventually, no, this Eventually someday is... we'll chat actually in person. I hope so. Really and I hope we get to team up and do something sometime. That would be great fun. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. that'd be super fun. Thanks so much for hanging out. All the best. Thank you. The Really Great Podcast is fueled by our well-caffeinated friends at Club Coffee. Don't get too excited because there's no actual club to join. It's just a weird name. I don't know why they chose that name, but they did, and they're called Club Coffee. The good news is they make delicious compostable coffee pods. 
You can find it at retailers across Canada, like Loblaws, Amazon, and Costco. If you're not into coffee, sorry. Oh, and they're Canadian too, eh? 